So 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 12, it says, Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, that is a mouthful, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest sons followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep. So David went back to the field. David's back to the field being faithful in the field. He went back and forth to tend his father's sheep. For 40 days, the Philistine came out and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. David, faithfully serve your brothers. And we're going to stop right there. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it. God, we thank you that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we know that this is your word, God. That all scripture, this Holy Spirit breathed. That it's good for correcting and convicting and challenging and encouraging us. And so I pray today that, Lord, your word would do just that. Convict us and challenge us and encourage us. And, Lord, we find it amazing how your word is the only thing that can do all three simultaneously. And we thank you for that today. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. And we thank you for all you've done in our lives and the things that you're about to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, fist bump three people. It's flu season, so I didn't want to tell you to hug somebody. Fist bump three people and tell them this. Be faithful with the anointing. Be faithful with the anointing. Come on, how many of you are excited to be in church this morning? Yeah? Amen. So Psalms chapter 47 says this. It says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And why are we shouting? Because we are understanding the victory that we have in Jesus, the salvation that we have in Jesus, all these amazing gifts that come from the Father above, right? The Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change, that he's always good, that he was good yesterday, today, and forever. And so, man, we shout unto God with a voice of triumph, realizing that. And so with that being said, take eight seconds and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, one more time. Father, we worship you. We love you. We give you glory this morning, God. Give you glory. Well, I know one thing, man. I am excited about what God is, has already done here and what God is doing here and what God's about to do um, in us and through us. It's, it's incredible the promises that God has already spoken over our church and we've been able to see multiple things come to fruition and, and we're excited to see the things that are to come as well, amen. But man, we really wanna be faithful with what God has already given us. We really do, we wanna be, we wanna be faithful and I'm excited 
about this word that God has, has given me today. I'm excited about it because I, I believe that, that God is going to touch us and really challenge us where we are today and, and encourage us as well. But we're going to hop right into this thing, okay, because we got a lot to cover and not a lot of time to cover it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, are you guys ready for a word? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Come on, shout, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So you guys are, are on point this morning. I appreciate that. Staying engaged with me. Let's continue to do that. Let's not fall off as the service goes. Amen. 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 But scripture says this, right? It says this, that if you are faithful with a little, if you're faithful with a little, God will give you much. If you're faithful with a little, God will, God will give you, you more. Saying simply this, that if we're faithful with what God has already given, if we're faithful where, where God has already planted us, the position he has given us, in the proper time or in the appointed time, he will give us more. He'll give us more. But this can be actually really tough on us and it can worry us. Because, man, at times this is really tough. And why it's so tough is because we have no control of time. There's an appointed time. And we are not to know the seasons or the times. That's what Scripture says, right? And what's tough about time is, is to God, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. And so God says something to us. And we're like, yeah, it's going to happen now, right? He anoints us. And we think, oh, man, we're going to be appointed, right? But, man, this can be tough because we don't have control over the timing of it. Matter of fact, Jesus says it this way. He says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to the entire span of your life? And if something as simple as that, which I don't find that very simple, but he does, because <laughs> he's the author of time. Like, he's the creator of it. He stands before it, he stands in it, and he stands after it. Like, I don't understand all of that, but that's, that's who he is, and I, and I trust that. But, but he says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single span one hour to the, to, the, to the span of your life. And if you can't do something that simple, why are you worrying about any of it? Why are you worrying about anything that's taking place in your life? Simply saying this, be faithful with where you are. Be faithful with what you have. And trust that God has you in the palm of his hands. Trust that his timing is perfect. And that he's going to take care of all of it. He's going to take care of every single bit of it. And here's the thing, worrying about any of it won't change it a bit. Doesn't change it a bit. So worrying about when something is going to happen or, or where something is going to happen or how something is going to happen isn't going to do you any good. So why do it? But, but this can be really, really tough. And you know why? Because we have aspirations. We have goals, which, which by the way, it's good. We should. We should have goals and aspirations. It's, it's a good thing. But, but, but it's tough because we have these things and we have our own time frames, right? We, we got our three-year plan and our five-year plan and our 10-year plan, right? So we have our own aspirations, goals, and timelines. And, and this can be especially tough on us when we know we've been anointed for something, but we haven't been appointed to that something. That could be really tough on us, man. And when it comes to that part that we're dealing with in life, how we've been anointed for such a time, but yet we haven't been appointed to that yet, it can be really tough on us in this part. And I find that the story of David right here 
the section of his life at this point in time, man, teaches us a whole lot. It fascinates me so much because here's what's happening. So David is a, is a teenage boy. He's a teenage boy. And we've seen last week how David was anointed to be king. He was anointed to be king and how, how God anointed him and, and the spirit of God rushed upon him, it says, in that moment when he was anointed, it rushed upon him. And, and Samuel tells him all these amazing things. He says, man, you're gonna be king over all Israel. It's your kingdom and God is the one that has set you there. And, and this sounds so amazing and so exciting and, and it's incredible. But what fascinates me is after he becomes anointed, he goes right back to the field. He goes right back to the, right after he's anointed king, David goes and takes care of his, his father's sheep. He, he goes back to be a shepherd boy. They're not even his own sheep. They're his dad's sheep. And now listen, what would make sense to me, right? Like, what would be the proper order for this to take place, if you're asking me? Would be he's anointed king, now he's appointed king. He's anointed and appointed simultaneously. That makes sense to me, right? Like Samuel anoints him, dumps the oil on him. You're going to be king. He gets up, goes to the palace and becomes king. And he receives his own sheep and servants to take care of their sheep. That's what would make, make sense, sense to me, right? But, but what we actually see here is God anoints him, but doesn't appoint him. It's very interesting. What we actually see is David being faithful with the anointing. He's faithful where God has planted him. He's, he's faithful with the anointing. Touch your neighbor. Say, be faithful with the anointing. Be faithful with the anointing. What we see is David is faithful with a little. He's faithful with a little. And I think where we get ourselves in trouble a lot of times in life is because we think the destination is more important than the journey. That's what we think. When actually the opposite is true. Do you know why? Because the journey is what prepares you for the destination. That, that's just the reality. And, and so often we're so fixated on the destination. We're so fixated on it that we overlook the, the journey and we become impatient in the journey. And the problem with becoming impatient is we can never be faithful. No one will be faithful when they're impatient in what they're doing. I am not a very patient man, I would just say. So when I'm in the doctor's office, I am not faithful with it and I'm not patient with it. Like I'm, I'm hot, you're making me wait. When we become impatient, we, we cannot become faithful. And see, we're just trying to get to the destination that's leading us to this position. And we look past being faithful. We look past it because Man, look, we're busy and we're so busy looking at, at where we want to go and what we want to do and, and how we want to do it that we, we overlook being faithful in the, in the process, right, where God has us. But see, God, God looks, looks at us and says, I want you to be faithful where I have you, where I've already planted you. Be faithful there. Flourish there. Do, do you know where I find myself getting in trouble when it comes to this, not being faithful where I currently am, where I get in trouble? is I'm looking at what others have. I start looking at, at, at what, what other ministries have and what other ministries are doing and, and what's happening in their life. And I'm so concerned about what's happening with them. See, where I get myself into trouble is where I start comparing. I start comparing what, what's going on in my life with 
what's going on in your life. This is where I get myself in trouble. And in John chapter 21, we actually see Jesus address this very thing. See, in this story, a matter of fact, we studied half of that portion at Wednesday nights. If you're not there, we invite you to come. I encourage you to be there. Little plug, amen. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> but we went through half of that chapter, but on through at the end of John chapter 21, Jesus is addressing, comparing one another's, right? And so what happens is, is Jesus is telling Peter, he's like, hey, Peter, look, man, this is what you're gonna do to glorify me. This is what your ministry is gonna look like. This is what your ministry is going to have. And you know what Peter says? Peter goes, what about him? Don't we all do that? But God, what about him? What about her? What about them? What, what about him? What, what's gonna happen with him? And Jesus looks at him and basically he's like, ah, forget about it. Like, pretty much. Like, that's pretty much what he says, right? He's like, what concern of it is yours? What concern of it is, is yours? It ain't got nothing to do with you. What I have for him is his. What I have for you is yours. And be faithful with what I've already given. Be faithful where I've already planted you. See, we gotta stop looking at what others have and compare ourselves in that. We gotta be faithful right where we are. See, and here's the thing. God wants us to be faithful with what he's given us so that he can give us more. Do you know God desires to give you more? He desires to bring an increase to your life. He desires to bring a harvest to your life. And because that's, that, that's what he desires to do, he's just waiting on you to be faithful where you're at. To be faithful with what he's already given. See, see I, think, I think that we think, right? Like, if we had more, we would be faithful more. If, if I had something different, then God, I'd be I'd be faithful if, if, I had, if I had things my way, like Burger King, have it our way, right? Like, God, if I had it my way, I'd be faithful then. But that's simply just not true. That's, that's just not true. See, see, I actually used to think this. I used to think that if I gave people more, it would create more faithfulness. I really did. This is how backwards I was, praise the Lord. But see, God, God says the, the very opposite. He says, if you're faithful with just a little, not if you're faithful with more, you'll be faithful. No, no, if you're faithful with just a little, then I will, will give you, you more because I know you'll be faithful with the more because you were faithful with the little. And so now I can give you more. Are, are you following me? Yeah. This, is, this is what God's word says. But see, this can be tough on, on us because our culture around us is all an entitled culture. We live in an entitled society. I mean, it is so entitled, and I'm right along with them. Praise God. Like, Lord, help me. But we think we deserve more. We think we should have this. We think we should have that. We deserve it, and we should, we should get it. And the problem with thinking that we deserve more is the discontentment that derives from it. Discontentment only comes from you thinking you need more. So now I'm discontent. I'm discontent with my wife. I'm discontent with my job. I'm discontent with, with, with my relationships because we think we, we deserve more. That's where discontentment derives from. And so this is why it's a problem. And the problem with discontentment is it goes completely against God's word. That's the problem with it. See, God's word says this, and you got to learn to be content in all circumstances. Matter of fact, key word, learn. 
That's the key word, learn. Paul says it this way. I have learned to abase and abound. I've learned to live in plenty and to live in want. I've, I've learned to, to be content in all circumstances. We, we gotta learn. Why do we have to learn? Because it's not in our human nature to be content. It's just, it's just not. It's not in our human nature. And so when we find ourselves in these seasons of discontentment, Man, we've got to be mature enough in our walk with Christ to step back and say, wait a minute, I'm being led by the flesh. Stop looking at what they're doing to you. Stop looking at what's happening around you. Stop all that nonsense. Step back and say, wait a minute, I'm being led by the flesh and not by the spirit. And, and when that happens, right, we actually start seeing that, yeah, it's, it's not the people around me that's the problem. I'm not saying they're not a problem. Sometimes they are, but it's not the main problem. <laughs> Sometimes people can be a problem. Like, they're not the, the main problem. They're not the real problem. The, the real problem is the way I'm, I'm looking at life, the way I haven't learned to be content with my life. And after we see that and that revelation comes, man, we hit our knees and say, Father, forgive us. And you know he's faithful and just to forgive everyone of every sin and every wrongdoing. The moment we say forgive us, he's faithful. So we hit our knees, Father, forgive us. Jesus, help us to have eyes to see. Lord, help us. Help us to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh. Help us to, to learn to be content in all circumstances. But because we, we live in an entitled culture and it's all around us at all times, it can be tough on us to start living according to God's standards instead of the world's standard. And here's the thing. The Word of God is the standard of God. That's what he gave us. That's what he gave us. That's the roadmap. That's, that's it, man. This is how God leads us and guides us. And scripture, you've heard me say this multiple times. Scripture is meant to read you, not you read it. That's what we're learning on Wednesday nights. Come, amen, plug. <laughs> plug, shameless, shameless plug. The word of God is the standard of God, amen. And we're to be content in every circumstance. Be content with what we already have. Be faithful with where we already are. When I first started pastoring, right, when I first started pastoring, and I thought in my mind, right, I literally thought this, I thought, the more I give, if I give somebody more, that someone will be more faithful. I really thought that way, which is crazy, by the way, but I thought that way. And so when people would come to me and ask for, for more, right, whether that would be preaching, teaching, or, or worshiping, when they would ask me for more, Right? I would say, sure. And it would impress me because I'm thinking if I say yes and I give them the more, it's going to create more faithfulness to God and to the work of God. And this was really impressive to me. So this is how I did things. This is the way I thought. But now when people come to me and ask me for more, whether that's, that's more whatever, right? Like more responsibility, more influence, more recognition. When they ask me for more, what I want to see is them being faithful right where they are. That's what's impressive to me now. Because I know this, that if they're faithful where they are, they'll be faithful up here. They'll be faithful here. See, see we gotta be a people who are, are faithful with what we've already been given and with where we already are. A people who learn to be content in every single circumstance in this, this life so that God will give us more. So that God will give us more. But, but this can be really tough especially when we know we've been anointed for something more. We know it. When we know we've been a, 
anointed for something more, but the something just hasn't come yet. Boy, that can be discouraging and frustrating. And the life of David speaks so good to this very question, this very, very struggle. Because in our passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David's already been anointed king, remember that. He's already anointed king, but yet there's a current king. There's a king already there. And the anointed king has to serve the appointed king. Think about that. And this dude's trying to kill him and everything else. And he's still serving him. He's still faithful. He's anointed king, but yet he's tending his father's sheep. He's, he's anointed king, but he's still bringing his brother's food on the battlefield. He's, he's serving his family, even though he's been anointed king. And the anointed king has no idea when he will become the appointed king. It wasn't like Samuel told him, like, yo, bro, listen, just chill, relax, right? Kick your feet up out here in the fields. Because here in a couple years, man, you're, you're going to get everything that's coming to you. But you got to be cool. No, he just said, hey, you're anointed. God's anointed you. And then he just had to be, he had to be patient. He had to be faithful. The only thing David knew was I gotta be faithful where I am. And I really felt like today that the Lord wanted to encourage some of us and tell us that we're to do, we're not to grow weary in doing good for in due season, we will reap a harvest. The harvest is coming, that we, we must be faithful right where he has us and where he's already given us. We must be faithful in our jobs Faithful in our families, faithful in our church. Because here's what I've realized. A faithful people are a blessed people. Faithful people provoke God to increase those people. It provokes him and it moves him. And as I'm reading this story of David, as I'm reading this, something that I, I start to realize. I start to see all this faithfulness uh, in the anointing, right? With the anointing, I'm seeing this faithfulness seeing how he serves his father's sheep, how he serves his brothers and, and all those different things. And I start to realize something about his life. It parallels Jesus's crazy cool. I'm telling you, it's crazy these two. Now, now remember what I said about Jesus, right? He's Jesus the Christ. I said this last week. It's not his last name, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ. That's the interpretation. Jesus, the anointed one of God, right? That's, that's who he is. So just like David, Jesus was anointed. David was anointed. And just like, just like David, right? Jesus, Jesus was anointed, but he wasn't yet appointed. And some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, how can that be? He was God before the beginning. Da, da, da. Absolutely, absolutely. But his appointed time on earth hadn't come yet. And I'll prove it to you. Luke chapter two, starting in verse 41. This is what it says. Do we have that? Do we have those scriptures? Praise the Lord. Now, this is what it says. Now his parents, talking about Jesus, by the way, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was a teenager, he's an anointed teenager, just like David, an anointed teenager. They went up according to custom. And when, they were, when the feast had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus, the teenage boy who's anointed, stayed behind. He stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it yet. They didn't know. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, think about this, parents. Three days, you lose your teenager. In a city the size of Philly. 
There's a million people in the city of Jerusalem. Philly's like 1.5. But, but still, three days. Three days lose him in this city, this teenage boy. And after three days, they finally find him. And he's sitting among the teachers and he's listening to them and he's asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers, why? Because he was anointed. He was anointed. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Like, no kidding. Thank God it took a switch. <laughs> Why have you treated us so? I'm just kidding, by the way. I don't switch my <laughs> Call CYS. I'm God. <laughs> Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been in great distress searching for you. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? And they didn't understand what he was saying. And they went down and... And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these treasures in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor before God and man. So what we see is, is Jesus is an anointed teenage boy. He's already been anointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Everything was created through him, for him, and by him. All things were created. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? So, so, so he already knows what it is. He's anointed. He's anointed. But he hadn't been appointed yet. It hadn't happened. And so what he had to do was return with his mom, with his dad, and be faithful. He had to be faithful to his, his family. It says that he didn't leave again. We just read it. He didn't leave again. Instead, he was submissive to them. He was submissive and he, and he served them. See, his time to, to be teaching and preaching in the temple, the time for him to heal the sick and the diseased, right? The, the, the time for him to open the eyes of the blind and the, the ears of the deaf, the, the time for him to raise people from the dead, the time for him to, to walk on the water, the, the time for him to feed 5,000 people with two small fish and five loaves of bread. It wasn't time yet. He was anointed to do it, but he hadn't been appointed yet. This is what we see in Luke chapter two. Jesus anointed, but not appointed. The time for him to be revealed in his anointing wasn't, wasn't time. See, he had to be faithful with right where God had him at the time that he had him there. And because of his faithfulness, because he served his family and his mother and his father well, says that God made him grow in wisdom and in stature, not only before God, but also before men. See, Jesus was faithful with the little. And now he's been given the name that is above every name so that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He's been bestowed upon him the name because of his faithfulness. He was faithful with with little. And God elevates those that are faithful with little. And not just in his sight, but also in the sight of people, in the sight of others. See, it's, it's not like we need to, to run around telling everybody of our faithfulness. Like, man, I'm so faithful. Pat me on the back. Give me an attaboy. You know what I mean, like, we don't have to do that. We don't have to run around telling people how much we are reading and how much we are praying. And we don't need to grab the microphone and tell everyone how much we're giving. No, no, no. We're, we're just to be to be faithful. We don't, we don't have to pursue to be noticed. If we're faithful, God will make us noticed. God will elevate so we are noticed. See, see Jesus, Jesus says it this way. He says, whatever is born of the flesh has to, maintain, has to be maintained by the flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit, the spirit will maintain it. 
So in other words, right, if we elevate ourselves and we push past things to get to a, a certain destination and we're not faithful with where God is having and we finally achieve that, then we've got to sustain that all by ourselves. Teaching and preaching, I see people pursue this all the time. Teaching, preaching, and worshiping, I see it all the time. And when they finally achieve that position, if it wasn't God that put them there, they have a really hard time staying there. They have a hard time because they have to maintain all that in their own strengths and in their own abilities. But when God does it, because you're faithful with little and God elevates you to give you more, then God's grace, God's mercy, God's strength, God's wisdom, God's spirit maintains that for you and sustains you in it. This is, this is what happens. See, we, we just have to be faithful with the anointing, faithful with where we are because God will always elevate those who are faithful. He always will. And we see that in the life of Jesus, and we see that in the life of David right here. And the parallels between these men is incredible. Did, did you know this? So David's anointed teenager, Jesus anointed teenager. So David was 30 years old before he was appointed king. Do you know how old Jesus was when he was appointed to ministry? Yeah, 30. <laughs> the parallels are incredible. They're literally incredible when you start to see how Jesus is woven all through the text. He's woven all through the text. Foreshadowing and foretelling of the one who is to come, the anointed one of God, the true king. Do you know what I find to be a common denominator with every successful person? Whether their success is in business or in the ministry. Do you know what I find the common denominator is? Faithfulness. They were faithful when they weren't, when they didn't have the success. They were faithful when they worked at Burger King. They were faithful wherever they were planted. They flourished right where they were. They became the best person on the Burger King staff. They, they, I'm telling you, the people are faithful. They're faithful. Every one of them. Because faithfulness will always bring about the blessing of God. Proverbs chapter three, verse three and four says it like this, and I'm almost done. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but instead bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. This is how important our faithfulness is. We've gotta be a faithful people. We, we can't grow weary in doing good because in due season we will reap a, a harvest. Some translations say, say, says it like this. Don't grow weary in doing good because in the proper time or in the appointed time, you'll reap a harvest. So wherever you're at right now in your life, be faithful there. Be faithful there. Wherever you're planted, flourish there. Whatever job, whatever position, wherever you're serving, do that thing with all your might. Do it with all your mind. If you're faithful with it, God will see it and he will elevate you because of it. He'll give you the more. Come on, stand to your feet. Faithful in the anointing. Faithful anointing. We've got to be a faithful people. Faithful people. David, shepherd boy, faithful. After the anointing, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, anointed, faithful as a little boy to his parents, 
not stepping outside of his faithful in the anointing. So church, we, we've got to follow these leads. We've got to be grateful for where God has us. We've got to be faithful with what he's given us. And that will cause him to give us, to give us much. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you would create in us a clean spirit. Lord, that you would renew in us a, a hunger and a desire to be faithful right where you have us. Lord, not to get ahead of you, not to push past and look forward to, to just the destination, but be in the journey, in the middle, right where you are. In that place where you promise to be. Lord, we're not enough unless you come. So meet us. Meet us here again, right where we are, Jesus. Create in us a faithful heart and spirit. Come on, church, let's worship.